Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. I'm thrilled today to have my very good friend, Dr. Kathy Cook, on the show. She's got a brand new book out on resiliency. You guys, if ever there was a time that we needed to learn how to bounce back and teach our kids to do it, now's the time. This is going to be a great show. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I'm glad that you guys have joined me today. Hope that you're having a great August. I mentioned just yesterday, we're coming to the end now of our summer. I can't even believe it. Parents looking at getting back into the saddle for homeschooling, lots of things that are gearing up for the fall. And I'm continuing to hear, and I answered a question from a listener about this topic the other day, parents who are struggling with kids that have missed out on on the last couple of years of things, largely because of the pandemic. We've got parents trying new things because of the pandemic, p- people pulling their kids out of public school and trying their hand at homeschooling. And sometimes you can feel like you're getting run over by it. And I'm thrilled today because Kathy Cook is joining me. She has a brand new book out, which I was absolutely honored to endorse and promote called Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Kathy is the founder of Celebrate Kids. She is a beloved author and speaker all over the United States. And she also is a dear friend of mine and a frequent guest on the show. Kathy, welcome back. Oh, thank you so much, Heidi. It's always a joy, a privilege and honor to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here. I can see that you're coming from a hotel room and you're in Phoenix right now. You've got a bunch of things going on. You are busier than a one-armed paper hanger, my friend. (laughs) We are busy. You know, the, yeah, there's a lot to be done. And I love it that you, you invite us to your little corner of the internet. You don't have a little corner, my friend. You have a big corner. (laughs) I love how much (laughs) you're doing and how much you speak life into, you know, so many issues and so many people groups that you and I both want to change and want to influence. So we're both privileged. Well, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to partner together because really it's kingdom work. I mean, and there's always work to be done a long, long, long time ago. uh, When I got to know Dr. Dobson, he'd asked me, Heidi, what do I, you know, what do you think about retirement? And I could not figure out why he's asking me the question. And I, I think, you know, because I was pregnant at the time, so retirement was nowhere. And, you know, I, I couldn't even, (laughs) wasn't anywhere on the horizon, but I think what he was saying was, you know, God's people never stop working. There's always mm-hmm. kingdom work to be done. There are always people that need encouragement and inspiration. You have been doing this for a long time. It's one of the reasons that you and I have connected so well is your genuine mm-hmm. love for people. And you picked up this topic, I think, uh, really was a God thing at a time when the country is struggling. So mm-hmm. we're heading into a recession right now. I was listening to the news on the way to the studio this morning and economists are saying that it's going to be bumpy. Like the next 12 to 15 months ahead of us, we're going to be facing pretty strong headwinds. And parents are going to need to know how to navigate not only them, themselves through stuff that are things that are difficult, but also teaching their children uh, how to mm-hmm. bounce back. Why did you write this book for this particular season? Great first question. I, I've written about resiliency in two of my other books. So it's been something that's been an important concept For me, it's a great, really important character quality. But during the COVID crisis, during the masking and during the quarantine and during the um, cancellations of everything, I was watching adults and then children who don't have a firm foundation to rely upon being just crumbling under the weight of the cancellation of soccer seasons and piano recitals and proms and whatever. And Heidi, I did a homeschool 
um, high school graduation program in June of 2020. So soon after, you know, COVID was announced, I flew on an airplane and went up and did a graduation program. And I heard myself say to the young people, don't ever allow anyone to call you the quarantine generation. Mm, Don't ever allow anyone to assign you to what you have lost. Always be aware of what you have. It's so much more important than realizing what you don't have. I wasn't telling them not to grieve. I wasn't telling them to be unrealistic. But it really struck me as if we allow our young people who have experienced um, what we're going through, including the current crisis in our government, if we don't help them recover readily from what is really confusing times, their whole life is going to be very different from the life that you and I have had. Yeah, it's true. And I think you have your message for many, many years. I mean, as long as I've known you has been telling these kids, you're not a victim. You're nobody's victim. And we have in this country in many ways adopted a sort of victim mentality, right? Mm-hmm. We have to pay back our student loans. Ooh, you know, it's we're, we're a victim because of student loans or we're a victim because of our DNA or we're, we, and you're saying, no, you're nobody's victim. And we all have stories uh, of growing up that have taught us how to bounce back, how to be resilient. You have one, too. What's a time in your childhood that helped you understand resiliency? A cute little story of um, a young girl. I was about seven. My family vacationed at a lake every year. I have the I have the greatest family, Heidi, and just have beautiful memories. And I was swimming under the water like a lot of kids would, of course. I felt something hit my head. And I thought, what was that? I got out of the water, put my hand to my forehead, took my hand off. And of course, it was covered with blood because the water in the lake had made the blood, of course, seem much bigger than it really was. Right. But I'm seven. I'm frightened. I'm screaming, mommy. But she thought I was playing with my cousins. And so she didn't come right away. (laughs) But then eventually, my aunt and my mom figured out that this was serious, ended up taking me to the hospital, got my first stitches. But the, the point of that is, you know, and in the time, of course, I didn't realize what was really going on. But Heidi, I look back on that and you know what happened? The very next day I went swimming. My mom and my dad did not say, oh, you better not swim. What had happened was the children at the property next door were skipping rocks. And unfortunately, one boy or girl's rock skipped all the way into our swim area. They didn't mean to do it. Right. And so the chances of that happening again, especially after they had been talked to, it's not going to happen. My dad and my brother were out fishing when it happened. And we had to wait for my dad to come back before we could go to the hospital. They went fishing every night after dinner. They didn't wait in case I would be hurt again. Yeah. And and so it's real. Take responsibility for what happens, but don't expect that it's going to keep happening. Let our kids experience life and learn how to walk out of the challenging times. And And I'm grateful for my mom and dad. I don't think they knew it at the time. They weren't saying, oh, I think we better raise a resilient girl. They just knew, you know, good parenting was that you deal with what happens and you move on. Yeah. And that's really... Uh at the heart behind the the definition of resiliency. And parents need to understand why it's so important that they model this. You know, you've heard me say many times at the show, we can't pass on what we don't possess. So how do you define resiliency and why do you think it's so important that our kids understand and can really grasp what it means to be able to bounce back? Yeah, I I love that. Thanks. I I define it as recovering readily. Um, The phrase bounce back that you're using is a perfectly good phrase. I used to think of Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, but (laughs) it dawned on me, Heidi, that even when mature adults with a a bigger bank of experiences, we don't bounce back quickly with a smile on our face all the time when we have experienced difficult times, whether that be death or divorce or- A run for Congress. 
Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the economy <laughs> or you know the loss of a of an election. Uh, we don't bounce back quickly. It's a recovery. It's a process that requires an optimism mindset, mm. and it's a recovering readily. So those of us who are resilient, we don't stay down in the valleys as long. We recover readily. We stand up. We walk out. I also like the phrase comeback. We come back to right standing. I also like the phrase we bounce forward. In reality, we would want our children to not even come back to where they were, but to learn from that experience. One of the benefits of resiliency is you learn from the trauma, right? You learn from, you've learned a lot, Heidi, over the last 18 months. If you guys would have kept a list of all the things that you and every member of your family and every member of your team was learning, we'd have to, you know, publish a book. So it's a, it's, it allows us to learn. Um, it's a, as far as benefits go, Heidi, there's so many, it's a mental health benefit. There's a body of research that suggests that resilient people can be angry. They can be depressed. They can be anxious, but they don't stay there Mm. because we recover readily. They don't like the feeling of unsettledness and disappointment. They don't want to stay there. And so, and they can also function well, even when they're angry. So it's a great mental health um, provider, if you will. We do more. We're creative problem solvers when we learn to be resilient. How many of you want your kids to be creative? And how many of us want kids to solve their own problems? Well, if we helicopter our children and we always prevent the mess, they'll never believe in their ability Mm. to prevent their own mess or come out of the mess. And at some point, Heidi, they will launch. And we don't want all of our kids bouncing back to us. We want them to bounce yeah. forward into right. what God has, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you love true. your kids and they live close, but you don't want them all living with you. No, it's funny. So. A long time ago, I mean, you know, most of my kids are in their 20s and 30s now, but uh, a long time ago, I remember telling a mom friend of mine, I just can never, I cannot imagine a season in which I'll be ready. I want my kids to move out. I just loved, you know, being a mom. I loved having them close. I loved homeschooling, all the things. But there came a moment when I was like, <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> time to go. And, you know, and there's this, this natural separation that happens, right, as we launch our children. And if we don't launch them with the confidence that they need to overcome the challenges of life, because they're going to come, they're absolutely going to come. And in your book, Uh, which I love, and we're going to talk about how people can get it. You wrote that resiliency starts as a choice, but it can become a learned ability and then eventually part of your character. And I love that you said that and just answering the question, if children today, and this is a a great, uh, a great question for you. Do you, would you say that they're facing more challenges to becoming resilient than previous generations? Or are we just exaggerating because, you know, the internet and TikTok, no, the challenges are big and the challenges are more dangerous and I think they're more prevalent. Uh, and partly, it, frankly, and, and I, I'm going to say, you know, you know, I don't compromise truth to make people comfortable. Um, there are many weak parents yep. who are not saying yes to the yes things and no to the no things. They're not um, walking with their children so that children can learn how to navigate the craziness of the culture. They are not expecting their kids to rise up. And that's a tragedy because kids can be so resilient, again, if they have the experience so that it becomes an ability, then it becomes a part of their character. Uh, So there's more evil. 
there's more uh, disappointment and there's more distraction. You know, I think, you know, I've written a book about technology, as you know, and uh, children and teens and young adults are on technology and we could talk all day about what it does to them. Mm -hmm. But because parents are on technology, they're often not as available to their children. So a lot of children and teenagers have said, Kathy or Dr. Kathy, I don't think I can go to my mom with my heartache. She just doesn't seem available. I'm not going to start having a conversation with her if she's distracted by her phone. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways that we develop resilient children, again, is to be available to observe where the where the challenge is so that we can help them readily recover by creating the boundaries they need so that they're in a place of safety. So they can come to us and say, Dad, um, I don't know how to handle this friend of mine who said these things about me. What should I do tomorrow? You know, if we're not there to help them because they are children without the, all, all the experiences, they won't be able to bounce back. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of it is on us. So yeah, there's a lot wrong in what's going on. Um, but there, we are agents of change. And parents are huge advocates for their children, can make a difference. Uh, Homeschool parents and so can educators and pastors. Let's do our job. Mm, It's so important. And and to say, listen, mom and dad, you have a part to play in how resilient your children are, how they see themselves when they look in the mirror. Do they see, you know, a lot of it's a question of identity. And we've definitely got that messed up again. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. So, Kathy, before the break, you and I were talking about the important role that parents play in helping their children um, by being available. I mean, you said that and I was like, shoot, fire. I mean, that's me. I can absolutely (laughs) see myself, you know, taking an email or checking, uh, you know, checking my text messages or whatever when I've got a child who wants my attention or a grandkid that wants uh, to sit and talk to Mamsie. It's very, very distracting to live in the culture right now. And I think that part of that distraction, one of the net results of that is that we're not paying attention to the things we need to pay attention to. And we sort of Mm -hmm. miss the signs. And I love this because you are kind of, you've been a voice, because you were on my show, you've been on my show several times talking about technology and, and the dangers of technology. And certainly this is part of the conversation even in uh, the challenges that kids are facing uh, to become resilient right now. But when you look at the big picture and you see what these kids are up against, you know, certainly they have access. One of the things that, that sort of struck me as you were talking is I was thinking today's kids have access to so much more than mm-hmm. I did when I was younger. I'm very glad I did not grow up with social media. I mean, it was tough enough yeah. to be a teenager in the eighties without TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Rumble and all the things, these kids have, they're being bombarded by so many things. And a lot of times they'll post a picture, they'll do something online that they they can't retract, right? I'm always mm-hmm. telling my kids, listen, the internet, the internet is forever. And sometimes they'll say something and I, I will see it online. I might go back to my kids and say, oh, wow, you know, you need to take that that down. And here's why. But I don't want them to feel like they're a failure. I want them to feel like, hey, you know, you made a mistake. Let's correct the mistake. How do we help our children understand the difference between, a, you know, a failure or a, a, a miscalculation, a bad judgment uh, and uh, a mistake? How can we guide our kids through those times when they feel like maybe they failed? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm gonna, could I back up for just a second? Yeah. Well, actually, maybe it's a way of answering the question. You know, when you were talking about how you might check a text message or check an email while you've got a grandkid who wants your attention, you know, one of the things that we model there is, I am so sorry that Gramsci is busy. Mm. 
Like there are text messages, Heidi, that you have to respond to, especially with the life that you've been leading, you know, the last little bit. So our, our kids need to hear us prioritize them by saying, I am so sorry, I'm not available right now. Please give me five minutes and I'll be fully attentive to you, mm. right? So one of the things that allows our kids to handle mistakes and failure well is that we handle them well when we know that we've made them. In fact, a definite one characteristic of a resilient person is that he or she takes responsibility for the failure that is theirs. If we blame shift and it's never on us, then that is not a, a resilient person. So to all the moms and dads and grandparents listening out there, you know, this is reality. Um, just apologize and say, hey, would you please forgive me? Um, you know, I'm going to set the timer. And in about two and a half minutes, I'm all yours. And of course, kids don't have a sense of time. So that's really awkward. But, but we, can, <laughs> we, can, we can really do that. And then, um, you know, back to your, your leading question about mistake. What I found when I wrote the book, Heidi, which was fascinating to me, was how we define mistake. So one of the key principles that we have to kind of talk about in our homes for our children is what is a mistake? Like you and I know that a mistake is caused by maybe inexperience. Maybe we haven't had enough experience with the topic or the task yet. Right. Um, it could be that we were distracted. Again, it is on us. Maybe we didn't read the directions well. And so we made a mistake when we made the pie. It's on us. Um, it might be inexperienced. It might be that we weren't listening. It might be that the instruction was not effective. There's all kinds of things that can cause us to make mistakes. But kids think that they are stupid if they make a mistake. Mm. They think they're stupid. Mm -hmm. And that's really dangerous. So if you say to your daughter, oh, you just made a mistake. It's, it's not a big deal. She heard you say, you're just stupid. Mm. It's not a big deal. So one of, the, one of the recommendations I make in the book is that we have a conversation at home about the definitions of these words. What is a mistake and what can cause it? How often is it on you? How often might it be on somebody else? And then what about failure? Again, failure might be um, a, a group of mistakes over time. You know, again, I don't even like the word failure or failing. Uh, failing is better than failure. Failure seems so, you know, final and, and fatal, which of course it isn't. But I want you to understand, Heidi, that many children have told me that failure to them is that I am bad. Mm. So if they have failed and failed to them might be a B minus right? Failing to them might be they didn't win a basketball game. So again, how do they define failure? How do they use the word inside their head? I'm such an idiot. I'm such a failure. And, and again, we would not know, we would not equate failure with bad. Mm -hmm. Failure would be, again, you weren't paying attention. You were distracted. You didn't proofread. You, for, you chose to forget there was a quiz. I mean, there were some things that you maybe did, but none of those things make you, make you bad or even make you stupid. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. One of, it. Something that, uh, that Rob McCoy said to me, you know, near the end of my run for Congress, because we were talking about failing, and uh, and we do, we all fail. We we attempt things that we don't uh, that we're that are not successful. Sometimes we have uh, failing. We have mistakes that are that turn into what feels like failures in our parenting. And mm -hmm. Rob said to me, he said Heidi, something that he learned was the importance of what he called failing forward. Yeah. So that if you make that, if you make a mistake that causes a project, for example, not to be successful or something that your business that you tried, you know, we've all been there. Instead of failing backward and just letting it wash over you, you fail forward and you and you set your sights on a new horizon, learning mm -hmm. from the thing that you just went through. So the failure actually propels you to be better at whatever it is that you undertake next, whether it's the same exact thing and maybe you come at it a different way or something else that you pursue, but you learn from the failure of, of the project rather than let it define you. 
Amen and amen. And one of the most important things we must do is model that for our children. Yes. We don't throw, you know, hissy fits when we make mistakes. We don't crumble. We don't, you know, yell and and show weak character. Ideally, we acknowledge what happened. And then we we talk out loud about how we're going to do it next time. And, you know, that, hey, I forgot to turn in a report at 2 and it was really embarrassing. I have set an alert on my phone that reports are due at 2 every other Tuesday so that I remind, I remember that. So showing the kids that there's a strategy, that there's a process, that we are humble enough to understand that we are capable of making mistakes, but we're not going to define ourselves by mistakes. We're going to define ourselves by that comeback and that future uh, forward motion for sure. That's a great place to end today. We're out of time. Um, Would you come back? And I want to talk, because in your book, something I, I loved was that you gave five core things that kids need to be able to build resiliency. And I love it if we can come back and you can share what that looks like. Can you come back tomorrow? I would be honored to. Dr. Kathy Cook, where can people find you online? CelebrateKids.com. That's the place. And of course, we're all over social media as well. And they can buy the book there. Do they have to go someplace else? What do you I recommend? would love them to buy the book at CelebrateKids.com because we're a ministry and we benefit from the income that we receive if people choose to purchase from us rather than somewhere else. I love that. So I'll link back to it in the show notes today. Dr. Kathy Cook, you are a national treasure. Thanks for talking with me. We'll come back. It's Friday, so it won't be tomorrow. We'll come back on Monday and pick this conversation up where we left off. You guys, for more information on Dr. Kathy Cook and the ministry that is Celebrate Kids, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast, scroll down to the show notes, and I will link back to this book, which I was honored to endorse. You guys, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to look ahead at what is coming and what your kids might be facing, helping them navigate the culture as it is and to see themselves as victors rather than victims. There's so much to be said for resilience in the culture right now. I hope this has encouraged you. Have a great weekend and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.